Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Podcast, which is new, as you know, every Thursday, podcastone.com and Apple Podcast. Thank you guys for listening, however you do so. Appreciate it very much, and it's uh, great to have everybody downloading and tuned in around the world, checking out the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Our interviews, of course, originate all on my daily radio show, which is called Trunk Nation, and is heard live on Sirius XM Channel 106 in the U.S. and Canada. The channel is called Volume. The show is Trunk Nation, as I said. And it is live 2 to 4 Eastern. The replay is 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. And all shows are on demand on the Sirius XM app. If you're in the U.S. and Canada, I hope you are listening live and daily on Volume. If you're outside of the U.S. and Canada, you can't get Sirius XM. Give a little taste of what I'm doing on a daily basis here on the podcast, and for those that are in the U.S. and Canada and are not subscribers, well, you're getting a little taste here as well, and hopefully you are encouraged to join my daily get-together and, of course, all the other stuff that the SiriusXM network has to offer. So we got uh, a few things to tell you about at the top. I did my first speaking show in a while. It was last Friday at the Stanhope House in New Jersey. Thank you to everybody who came out. It really turned out to be a great night. And it's really cool to be doing some of these speaking engagements again. The next one will be this Friday. If you're listening to this on post day tomorrow, I'll be at the back bar in Janesville, Wisconsin. Going to be doing my radio show from there live from one to three. And then at night, I'll be there starting uh, hitting the stage around 10 o'clock to do a speaking show. It's all this Friday, the back bar, Janesville, Wisconsin. My local radio affiliate, JJO, is bringing it to you, is sponsoring it. It should be a great night. Hope to see you in Janesville this coming Friday at the back bar. Also, this coming Tuesday, July 30th, I am at the Rainbow once again for my monthly broadcast for Sirius XM. And I'll be doing my volume show live from the Rainbow Bar and Grill from the patio from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. You can hear it live on 106 as it happens. If you're in Southern California, come down and join me. It is totally free to get in and hang out July 30th, 6 to 8 at the Rainbow for the next Trunk Nation L.A. Invasion. Other appearances, August 17th, I'm in Houston, and that's at Warehouse Live hosting Tom Kiefer. September 6th, another speaking show, New Bedford, Mass. at the Vault Music Hall. September 13th, I'm in Tulsa, the IDL Ballroom for L.A. Guns. And then Shawnee, Oklahoma, Fire Lake Arena, hosting Deep Purple, Pat Travers, and Joyous Wolf. That should be a blast. Hope to see you for that. 
And that rolls into Huntington Beach, California, Sammy Hagar's High Tide Beach Party, September 28th and 29th. And don't forget about Exit 111, Manchester, Tennessee, October 11, 12, and 13. The Megadeth Cruise, October 14th, sailing for five nights, megacruise.com. Back in Tulsa, October 19th, last in line at the IDL. Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, Breathless Spawn Resort, Sammy Hagar and more for 80s in the sand. And also, back at the IDL November 23rd for Vixen and the Iron Maidens. We can also slot in right now and tell you that November 7th will be the next bowling event, the Dio Cancer Fund. Next bowling event is November 7th. And I'm just writing uh, all my stuff down. I think that's... Hold on, because there's so much going on. I want to make sure I got the right... The right information for you. All of this, by the way, is on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Yeah, November 7th is the next Dio bowling event for the Dio Cancer Fund in L.A. at Pins in Studio City. And also just announced... And this is going down on November 10th. I'll be hosting once again Foamhenge. And that is in Houston at the Carbach Brewing Company with Ace Freely, Accept, and more as the featured acts. Tons of stuff going on. Be sure to follow on Twitter at Eddie Trunk, Instagram at Eddie Trunk, fan page on Facebook. And, of course, eddytrunk.com. Again, the appearances are on the homepage of the website. So be sure to uh, check all of them out because things change and get added and what have you. I'm just taking it all in myself and trying to figure out how I'm going to do all this stuff. Oh, boy. Good to be busy, though. And I hope to see you out and about at all these various events. So I'm going to tell you about our uh, our guests on this week's podcast. But before I do that, I'd like to tell you a little bit about Blue Chew. You see, Blue Chew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. And who doesn't want a little performance enhancement in the bedroom? Last a little longer, go a few extra rounds. You look like a hero at BlueChew.com. You can get the first chewables with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And because they are chewable, they work a lot faster, up to twice as fast. And the chewables from Blue Chew, they can be taken on a full or an empty stomach. Online physicians consult for free, so it's cheaper than the other two products. And it only takes a few minutes to connect with a BlueChew.com affiliated physician And if you qualify, you can get prescribed online quickly. So no in-person doctor visits, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at a pharmacy. And all of this ships directly to your door in discreet packaging. So you don't have to deal with anything, you know, just get online, get on the phone, and boom, shows up at your door. And the chewables from bluechew.com. They're prescribed online by a doctor and made in the USA. Blue Chew gives you confidence in bed every time. You and your partner are going to love it. Chew it and do it. And here's a great deal for you guys. Check this out. BlueChew.com. You go there. You get your first order for free when you use promo code TRUNK, T-R-U-N-K. Just pay 5 bucks for shipping. That's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code TRUNK. All right, so two interviews for you this week. First up, from the Struts, one of my favorite newer bands doing tremendous business out there, doing big shows, headlining, selling out. It's great to see Luke Spiller, their lead singer, joins us talking about their current tour, and also talking about their inclusion in a new commercial for Dodge where they covered Dancing in the Streets, the Van Halen-style version of that song. How did it come about? We'll find out from Luke. You're already seeing those commercials and hearing the song in it. 
The Struts, like I said, currently on tour now, and uh, I think one of the best of the newer bands out there. So get ready to hear from Luke. Always an engaging conversation, and that will be first on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Second, Ricky Warwick of the band Black Star Riders. Now, the interview with Luke was done fairly recently, like a few days ago, a week ago. The interview with Ricky was done about a month ago, but it is still very relevant because the record Ricky called in to talk about hasn't come out yet. The new Black Star Riders record is coming very soon. So I figured it would be a good time to get Ricky on talking a little bit about it on the podcast side of things, which we will do second in the conversation today. Black Star Riders, a really, really great band born out of what was Thin Lizzy. And uh, they have had a lineup change in the band, which Ricky talks about. And hopefully they can make some headway and get some traction in America. It's very, very difficult for them here in the U.S. Much of the interest for them comes from Europe and other parts of the world. But they still do play some shows here in the U.S. And hopefully with this new record, they can knock down some more doors. Ricky's a great guy, good friend, very talented songwriter and performer, and singer as well. So Ricky from Black Star Riders in the second spot, Luke from The Struts in the lead spot on a double dip on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. We'll come back and we'll get into it right after this. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Calling all true crime fans, the Court Junkie podcast is now on Podcast One. Imagine being wrongfully convicted for a crime you didn't commit, or a killer is still on the loose even though there's enough evidence for an arrest. The Court Junkie podcast shines a light on the injustices of the judicial system with deep dives into court documents and interviews those closest to the case. Download new episodes of Court Junkie podcast on Apple Podcast and Podcast One. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back. It's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. And as I mentioned, two interviews for you this week. The first one is with Luke Spiller, lead singer of the band The Struts. They are currently on tour in the U.S. And as I mentioned, they've got a TV commercial that they are featured in for Dodge that features a cover of Dancing in the Streets, and they went and did it in a Van Halen-esque sort of style. Of course, VH also covered that song on the Diver Down record. So a little bit of the story behind why the uh, Struts did this song and some stuff about what they've got cooking for the future and the current tour. Let's get to Luke Spiller right now. First up on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. How are you, bud? Hello, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, I'm good, and, and I'm, I'm sincere about what I say. You know, I'm, it's been great to watch this story continue to grow, and here we are, I'm looking through your tour dates, some advanced sellouts already all over the world, and Good Morning America on Friday, and a song in a car commercial. Life's good to be Luke, Luke Spiller right now, huh? Life couldn't be any more sweeter i think if it was any more sweeter my teeth would just simply fall out of my mouth are you surprised at how well this has gone i know you put a lot of work into this i know this isn't an overnight thing but it's so hard to get a rock band going these days and to be able to, you're out headlining right now i mean to be able to do this you've got to be real proud is it where you've always wanted it to be i mean i know there's always room for growth but you got to feel really good about the work you put in and where things are going huh yeah absolutely i mean i think you hit the nail on the head there, there's there's always room to grow. And the way I see it is just like, I mean, let's be real here. We, we probably have the greatest job in the world. So, you know, I'm willing to get absolutely stuck in. And, you know, me, myself and the rest of the guys, we work our asses off because we just want to be the biggest and the best. And it's great to see things kind of like connecting coming together naturally and and mate honestly i feel like this year is just 
creating a complete new exciting ball of synergy, which is going to be very hard to stop once it starts to really get going. So it's going to be a great year for us. You know, when you guys were in the studio, the whole the whole band in the studio, I don't know when that was, a year or so ago, and we were talking, and I, I said to the to you guys, and I, was only, I wasn't really joking, I said, you know, I, me as a lifelong rock fan, I said, you know, you guys, you have a big responsibility here, you need to save rock music, and the one thing was, when I went around the room, and I remember the look on everybody's face, nobody was lying like, oh yeah, like we're going to be able to do that, you almost, you kind of been like, yeah, we know. And, and I thought I'd never forget that sort of reaction to that. And I really appreciated that reaction because it's, you know, you were confident about what you needed to do. You were confident that there was a void out there, I, I think, and that you guys were going to be able to, to really make a mark. And did you, did you feel that way? I mean, is, do you feel like that's kind of like a, a responsibility almost? I mean, I, do I feel that way? Absolutely. Yes. Um, a, a responsibility, I kind of take that a little more lighthearted. But I mean, what I would say is I'm a, I'm a big believer that things really happen for a reason. I think that the journey from when we started up to now and everything that we've experienced has is, is definitely happened for a reason. And I don't know, man, like saving rock music, I mean... I can't think of a more perfect perfect candidate than myself, to be honest. So I'm quite I'm quietly confident, and I let the music and the performance do the talking, if that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense, and you should be. You should have that confidence because you do deliver the goods, and why not you? I mean, the cool thing here, Luke, that I see is that I feel like there's a really great wave of young rock bands coming and, and emerging right now, way more so than there's been in a really long time in the U.S. And for me, my, my two favorites of the whole sort of new wave, newer wave of rock happening in America have always been you guys and Rival Sons. Those have been my two favorite bands by far of the new wave. And both bands doing incredibly well. But there's these young, way younger guys coming up that I feel bands like yourself, Rival Sons, Greta Van Fleet, I think that they've not, you guys have knocked down doors to not only take some great strides and have great audiences yourself, but actually help open the floodgates a little bit for people really being accepting of, of new rock, which it hasn't been like that for a really long time. Yeah, I, I mate, honestly, I completely 100% agree. I think all of the, all of the hard work that we've put in, um, is definitely leading the way to, another generation to be inspired to like pick up their guitars and and hopefully that's always been our goal as well not only to kind of stand by what it is that the band does how we look how we sound and you know stick by our guns and say this is how we are going to do this and we're going to do it our way on our terms i would like to think that we're going to influence like younger kids like like me and the band were influenced you know when we when we saw bands like Oasis or, you know, the Libertines and, 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 and bands like that that were coming up in the early noughties to kind of, you know, get together with your mates and, and start a band. That's what it's all about. And the X factor there, which I always tell all the young bands, is the ability to write great songs. And that is the real X factor. And you guys have that. And the truly great bands that are on the cusp of doing that have that. So let's let's talk a little bit about that, because your newest song is a song you did not write, ironically enough. But it's a song that uh, most people know and has been covered in the past by Van Halen and Bowie and Jagger. And you guys took a swing at... Um, Dancing in the Streets. Tell me a little bit about the decision to do that, Luke. Well, <laughs> funny enough, it was just one of these things that kind of happened about four or so months ago. We, we had this, uh, this request um, come through from, from Dodge themselves saying, hey, would the Struts be interested in sort of like having a go at interpreting the, the Van Halen version of Dancing in the Street. And we were like, I mean, yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll give it a go. Honestly, we thought absolutely nothing of it. We didn't think we would, we would get it. We didn't think it would be, I don't, I'm just, we just kind of went in there and did the best that we could and had fun with it. And 
you know, we sent it off and, and we didn't hear anything for a while. And then all of a sudden we heard, you know, from our management, guys, you know, Dodge really enjoy the cover. They want to run with it. So it, it's going to be used for um, their their uh, latest campaign, which is going to run through the summer. And it's kind of, it, it's going out um, this week. So we're super excited. And it's kind of the thing that we never expected to kind of happen, but it was definitely like a really, really pleasant surprise. So we've, you'll be hearing our song all over the television sets all across America. And we've actually got a, uh, a video coming out for it as well, which was um, shot with uh, in LA with um, some of the cars in it and, you know, the band and everything dancing in the street. It's, it's, it's going to be fun and everyone's going to really enjoy it. And man, when, when a car company or any of these TV commercials, when they get on a campaign with a song, they run the shit out of it. I mean, right now, uh, Geico Insurance is using Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. It's on every five minutes, that commercial. There was one, I don't know if you saw Europe, the final countdown. I mean, when, when they, when they do this, I mean, it's actually more than any radio play you could ever hope for because they, pound these commercials constantly on a variety of channels so that's going to be some great exposure yeah it's going to be great and you know what i think is really good is every time the struts in the past have sort of like taken on covers you know i mean we've done we've done lord we've done you know gotier we just we like to kind of flip things up a little bit and you know, with, with the Van Halen version, we sort of like, we, we kind of took the best bits of it. And then vocally, we kind of, I injected my own kind of thing to it. So I'm super happy that it's come out uh, more unique than I probably thought. But yeah, man, you're right. I mean, it's it's going to be exciting. I'm super excited. I, I can't wait for my mum and dad to, to see the commercial and and, uh, and call them up and say, did you did you hear it? Did you hear it on TV? You know? <laughs> Are you guys actually in the commercial playing it or just the music? It would just be the music, but we are releasing an official video to to run alongside the song. And, and, and yeah, I mean, look, it's like I said, it's kind of something that we didn't expect. And then once we found out we had it, we were like, you know what? Let's just like, let's milk this for everything that it's worth. Let's, let's give it a video and let, let's do it properly, you know, because a lot of people are going to hear it. So it'd be great for people to, um, to see a visual with us sort of like running around and having fun. The video is, is going to be absolutely fantastic. Like I said, there's dancers like going through the streets, you know, I'm, we're burning rubber in, in a dodge and it's, it's fun, mate. It's going to be super fun, super struts. How, how did, uh, how does a car company like Dodge, like, was, was there a fan there of the band that they randomly reached out or did it go through an agency or something? I'm curious. How does, how does somebody at Dodge reach out to you and say, Hey, we'd like you to do this song? I mean, that's a great thing to have happen, but what was the catalyst for that? Was, were you guys soliciting or did they, was there just a fan there at the, at the car company? I think I think someone must have been a fan. Um, the, the only the only thing I know was that the opportunity was brought to us uh, via our publishers. So I think it's just it's gone from one thing to the next. And you know, no doubt, uh, my label, the greatest label in, in the world, Interscope, has probably had something to do with it as well. The you know, but to be honest, man, like those kind of fine details, you know, I, I'm not too sure about. I just turn up record the song, do the best I can, shoot the video, shake my ass, and, and see if it all comes together. You know, I got to tell you something funny about this, too, because when your manager, uh, Ben, reached out to me and told me you guys were doing this, I, I was in the middle of vacation, and I was just kind of rambling through a bunch of emails, and I saw – I. I kind of glanced through the email, and I saw Dancing In The, that they did a cover of Dancing In The, and I'm like – Okay, cool. You know, I'm looking forward to hearing this. And I immediately, I don't know why, but my mind dropped out the word streets. And I immediately thought you covered Dancing in the Dark, the Springsteen song, because you do that live. And I, I've seen you do that live. And I was like, oh, so they've been doing that live anyway. So I guess they just recorded a version of it. And then when he actually sent me the link to the song, I'm like, 
oh, wait a minute, I had this all wrong. I thought you did Dancing in the Dark. Was there any ever any consideration to recording? Uh, I know you do the Springsteen song live, doing a version of that. Well, funny enough, in the same session, we were all joking around and we were thinking about having a dancing cover EP. So we were going to have, you know, we actually did. We were going to have Dancing in the Street, Dancing in the Dark, Dancing by Myself, um, <laughs> Dancing Queen, you know, everything with the word dancing in front of. But, you know, I think we just ran out of uh, of time to do so. But, yeah, we kind of, we, we don't do that cover anymore. We're, this, it's, our Dancing in the Dark cover live has now been replaced with Dancing in the Streets, which, to be honest, I think is coming across a lot better. Um, so it's, it's, it's super exciting, super great. Okay, so you're doing Dancing in the Streets in your live set. You've put that in. You do a live version of it. Yeah, and we will actually be performing that song um, live on Good Morning America uh, on, uh, on Friday. So... Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, if anyone wants to see us do it and they can't come to the show before um, before the New York show, for example, then yeah, you can catch us on uh, Good Morning America on July the twelfth in the morning. So that's this coming Friday. So you have to be up at some ungodly hour and sing. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. So basically, let me just paint the picture for you right now. We're <laughs> we're currently in Mon- we're in, we're in Montana at the moment, and then this evening after the show quickly jump into the shower, wash my, you know, dirty naked body, run in, go to the airport, and then we're flying from here to New York and, and, and we're sort of on the red eye flight. And then we are uh, we're landing in New York. And then we've kind of got like a little bit of the day to kind of like relax. And then yeah, we're we're kind of about up at about four AM, five AM kind of time to get to the uh the studio, which is far too early for any rock star to sing, but I'll do it for GMA, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm very, I'm pretty nocturnal myself, so anything before noon is traumatic to me. I can imagine how difficult that's got to be for you because you have to sing. I mean, that's that's difficult. But again, it is a big audience. Is it open to the public? Can people come down? It is. It is. It is open to the public. It's free. So if people want to come down, then they can come along, clap their hands, show us show some support and honestly I'd, I'd love for anyone who's interested just to come on down because it's it's going to be good i think there's about four songs that are actually broadcasted we're actually playing a few more for the audience like after the cameras are switched off so it's kind of going to be like a an early morning rock and roll breakfast dish if you can imagine that how many of you guys will have not even slept yet at that point <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Depends how the evening goes before it, you know. But I, I think I think we'll be good boys. We'll be good boys. Oh man, well it's great stuff. It's so great to see all this good stuff happening for the band. And and one other thing, Luke, before I let you go. So you know, it's great that you're you're putting this cover. And I think it's I picked up when I heard it immediately. I'm like, okay. The, Obviously, they're not covering Martha and the Vandellas. Obviously, they're not going the Bowie Jagger route with this. It sounded to me like very much the blueprint for what the way you tackled this was going off of the Van Halen version. And you kind of said that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was kind of like the version that was specifically asked that we kind of reworked. And and honestly, man, if I'm going to be completely honest, it's the Van Halen version isn't really my favorite one. Um but I think sometimes in life, when you're given like a challenge and you've got to mold and bend and shape it into something that you get excited about, that's when something comes and is created that, that is, is truly unique. And I think that's what we've done with the cover. But another, I've got a question for you, though, Eddie. Yeah. Are you going to be at our Pier 17 show on July 27th in NYC? You know, I just looked through your website, and I got to say something, man. That is awesome to see that that thing is advanced sellout, that that is sold out in advance. That is absolutely awesome. Um, so I don't know if I can get a ticket, man. I don't know if I can get in. I'll get you in, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll rub some – I'll grease up some palms. I'll get you in. 
know, well, no problem. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. If I'm not at that show, I also checked off the show. If you remember last time I came to see you, because I travel, not like you guys do, but I travel a lot. So a lot of times when I see shows, it's not in my home area because I'm just not home. But I noticed you're playing in the Poconos, too, in Pennsylvania at Mount Airy, and I think it's the next day. And I actually have all the dates on my calendar, so you will absolutely be seeing me uh, at some shows coming up. You know I love the band, and I can't, I'm overdue to, to catch a show. You know, I just missed you guys in Vegas last week. Apparently, you did a stopover at, at the Hard Rock or something on your way to Salt Lake. Yeah, we did, and I, I, I heard, I heard, that I saw on Instagram that you was there, but I was, I was taking, you know, it was my, my day of rest. I was sat, relaxing, painting in the back of the bus. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'm sorry that I missed you, and I didn't even realize you were there until the next day. So, yeah, and I didn't see. Yeah, I didn't see, I didn't realize you guys were there for any reason either and uh, that you were just stopping off and our mutual friend Craig Gass was in the casino and I came down the elevator and Craig's like, you're not going to believe it. Guess who's checking in? I go, the guys in the struts and I was there doing some TV work anyway and I said, you know, tell them I said hi. I'm sure they're fried and and I've got to get to what I had to do. But we just almost missed each other there in Vegas. Hey, before I let you go though, Luke, I want to ask you about Young and Dangerous, of course, the latest record, which even though we're talking about this great cover that you've done, we don't want to forget that that is still a relatively, you know, the latest record. But that being said, have you guys thought about and put, started thinking, you know, about any work on the third record? Is there anything that you've done on that yet? Well, new music, yes, 100%. A new record, like, it's kind of, we're still trying to sort of like figure out when's going to be the right time to kind of really take some time out and, and accomplish that. But funny enough, we had this certain, well, we had like a very amazing burst of creativity uh, a few months ago and we ended up cutting six songs um, in Studio 606, which is um, Dave Grohl on the Foo Fighters um, studio on the legendary Neve desk. Um, so that, that, that came out really well. And, and we're sort of just getting those tracks back now uh, from like, like rough mixes. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to continue to kind of write and record as we're going along because this year is pretty much booked up as far as I can see pretty much until New Year's Eve where we're, we're, doing, a, we're doing something uh, in Nashville. But we're going to be hopefully putting out some sort of like EP or something we want to keep our audiences entertained and we don't we don't want to go stale you know I mean like I mean you're fully aware more than anyone how quickly this music business now is is sort of like throwing songs out and as as far as I'm concerned as long as what we're putting out is kind of quality and we're excited about it then we're willing to sort of like you know, keep up that kind of pace as well. So I think, we'd, I think we're going to be sharing new music, you know, this year. Whether it's an album number three, not quite sure. And, and now that Young and Dangerous has been out for a little bit, looking back on it, uh, uh, you still feel strongly about the record? It's still the record you wanted to make? I mean, the reason why I ask that is I talk to artists all the time when the record's brand new and they're so hyped up, and then you go to them uh, six months, a year later, like, I would have loved to have done a little more of this or changed that or remix this. How has the record aged for you? I think it's great. It, for me, I think me and the band, we still stand by it, and it definitely represents a moment in time for us creatively. Uh, I mean, it was a, not only was it a very difficult second album, but it was also a great learning experience. Something that we want to kind of take when we start doing this third album. Uh, I mean, there, there are a couple of things, you know, I could sort of like totally geek out and go into like fine detail. But on the whole, I'm still super proud of that album, man. I think it's an absolute banging album from start to finish and you know if everything was to be taken away from me tomorrow I can sort of like still look back and say you know well I was in a band you know and check out these two albums and let's just put it this way if I ended up sort of you know moving back home in the UK and 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 living the rest of my days in a pub you know I'd still have a pretty good uh an acoustic set by myself between those two albums you know 
Well, I was well, real well. That just reminded me too. I mean, the, the maybe the other question would be looking at the first record everybody wants, which I absolutely love as well. I I love that record top to bottom, but that's obviously even older, and that has a, obviously had a, a a rough birth in terms of the way all that you had to go through to get that out and how it started in the UK and all that. But when you look at the first record, what are your thoughts? I, I again, again, I don't really tend to look back too much. I think I'm super proud of everybody once. I think there are things that we could have done better, but it's again, it, it represents a moment in time. I can definitely hear the hunger in, in, in the music and I can hear the sort of um, the need to really express ourselves 110%. And the great thing is, I think both of those albums have that. And that's something that I want to continue to, to try and create is, is create a sound which lets people sort of feel our sort of hunger and, and wanting to be the biggest and the best. So it's, it's, they both have a feeling that I, I continue, to, uh, continue to strive for, for, for everything that we kind of put out and record. Well, I still love both records, man. It's great stuff. It's great what you're doing. I'm so happy for you guys to see the growth and the continued success and continue to follow where this all goes. And I appreciate a few minutes. Everybody check out uh, the Struts cover of Dancing in the Streets. Check out thestruts.com. Find out all the dates. The guys are on, you're on tour all over the world throughout the rest of the year, including here in the U.S. and Canada, where we also broadcast. So look for a date and go see this amazing live band uh, doing it so well. It's it's great stuff. Thank you so much, man. Continued success, Luke, and say hi to the rest of the guys, and I will absolutely see you out there soon. Sweet, mate. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, mate. Really means a lot. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Anytime, man. You know where I'm at. Anything you need. Take care, okay? Travel safe. You too, buddy. Enjoy the song. <laughs> see you, man. Bye. Well, my thanks to Luke from the Struts. Love those guys. Be sure to see him. An amazing live band if you get a chance. And that TV commercial uh, that they did, that version of Dancing in the Streets, is already running. So you probably maybe caught that as well. And you can get the full version of the song online and wherever you get your music these days. Let's take a break. We'll come back and be joined by Ricky Warwick of Black Star Riders, guest number two on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Hey, it's Adam Carolla letting you know about my newest podcast, Going Racing. Me and Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, that is. We'll uh, highlight the fastest cars. We'll talk about the best races and the best celebrities in motorsports. Subscribe now at Podcast One. All right. Second up on the podcast this week, Ricky Warwick of the band Black Star Riders. The new album, Another State of Grace, is coming soon. A couple tracks already released from it. This conversation with Ricky happened a few weeks ago. Enjoy Ricky Warwick of Black Star Riders, guest number two on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Ricky, how are you, brother? Eddie, good to hear your voice, my friend. How are you doing? Good, good, good. You know, I'll tell you, I was saying earlier before you joined uh, joined me, we did not plan it this way uh, with you calling in, but obviously right at the top here, some sad news coming out today sure. with Philomena lineup passing away. Ricky, yeah. you obviously have fronted Thin Lizzy and Black Star Riders. You do both. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about Philomena and your experience I, with I, her? I would absolutely love to, Eddie. Sadly, like you said, very poignant today of all days. Um, she was a fantastic, wonderful woman, a real beacon of light, very positive energy, uh, very graceful. And I had the pleasure of meeting her on a couple of occasions. The first one was the first time at Thin Lizzy played Dublin with, with me me fronting the band uh, way back in 2011. We played a beautiful theatre there called the Olympia Theatre, an old Victorian theatre. And Philomena came to the show. So I was nervous nervous enough anyway, but the fact I knew that Philomena was going to be there, you know, I was just, I was beside myself with nerves. And, you know, during the show, I could see her to sort of, she was in the corner of my eyes. She's one of the old sort of uh, VIP boxes up in, up in the gods off to my left. And I just couldn't bring myself to look at her because I was, I was thinking, what, what must she be thinking? What's going through her mind? Never mind what's going through mind. And we finished the set with Black Rose and I glanced up and the show had been phenomenal. And she was on her feet, huge grin on her face, crying her eyes out. And um, 
after the show, we went to the after show, and she's sitting down, and she waved me over, and uh, I sort of took a deep breath and thought, oh, okay, here goes. And uh, I walked over to her. She stood up, gave me the biggest hug, and was so gracious and nice in what she said to me. And she just said to me, she said, my Philip would have absolutely loved every minute of this, hearing his songs played with such soul and such love. And uh, I think I burst into tears. And it was all the validation that I think I ever needed to hear from, from, from Phil's mom. Um, you know, to say those words to me. And she didn't have to say anything. She didn't have to wave me over, but she did. And she was so gracious and such a fantastic woman. And, uh, you know, I'll just never forget that moment. It's inc- that's an incredible story, Ricky. It really is because you and I both know, I mean, d- trying to go out there and play the music that uh, Phil created and do it so well as you do and do it justice. Obviously, you're going to have the doubters and the people that don't think you should be doing it and what have you. But to to have his his mom uh, endorse and embrace what you did with his songs and the way you delivered them, as you said, that's yeah. F- forget critics, forget anybody else. I mean, that's the only validation I think you would need for for life to know that you but were doing the right thing. You know, that's as good as you're going to get. Obviously, with without the great man himself sort of, you know, in some way letting you know that he approved, which sadly, you know, just can't happen. So for Philomena to, to, to um, it, it, any doubts that I had in myself for doing it, because, you know, I'm like everybody else, I'm a massive, huge Thin Lizzy fan. I mean, it's a soundtrack of my youth growing up in Ireland. So I had the doubts too, but that just eased any sort of fears and apprehensions and any self doubts and my confidence that I might have had and it was just it was a, it was a, a life-changing moment I'll never forget it and, and a great woman and what a great life she had and strong and majestic to the end and, and so sad that she's passed away you know I was saying this earlier too uh, speaking about the life that she had you know it couldn't have been easy early on either because she was you know in a you know as everybody knows Phil was was biracial and she was married sure. to a black man at a time where there was probably a lot of discrimination i would think uh, towards her because of that and even the way she handled that and loved her son right up to the very end and continued to celebrate her yeah. son's legacy and the the prejudices she must have dealt with at that time it's pretty remarkable to think what a what a kind and, and wonderful woman she was. I never had a chance to meet her, but that's all I ever heard about her is how wonderful she was. Absolutely. Eddie is still so positive all the time. You know, she never said a bad word about anything or anybody. And, and like you said, it was tough back then, especially in Ireland back in the 60s and 70s. Um, to be in a situation like that w- was so, so rare. Um, and people were so judgmental back then. Um, I don't know, people were always judgmental, maybe even more so back then. Um, and to come through that with the grace and style that she did is a, is a testimony to her. And, you know, she was always so welcoming to, to the Lizzie faithful, to the fans that would come over to, to, to Dublin to see Phil's grave. That her door was always open to her house. She always wanted to meet. She always wanted to talk to them. She wanted to hear their stories. She would tell them their stories. And just, just, a, just a wonderful, wonderful woman. And one other thing on this, Ricky, you know, you, as you said, have fronted what is Thin Lizzy uh, for, for a number of years now. The band, you still do shows under that name in, especially outside of America. Does, yeah. is, she, is she the sort of arbiter, uh, controller of the whole Thin Lizzy thing? In other words, did Scott or whoever have to kind of go to her to, and was she the one that actually had to sign off on you guys doing Thin Lizzy still without her son? I mean, how did that all work from a, a business standpoint? Does she basically still pull all the strings? Um, as far as I know, Eddie, I mean, I kind of stay out of the whole sort of Thin Lizzy thing. I mean, Scott just says, Hey, we're doing a couple of Thin Lizzy shows. I'm like, great. Where, where are they? I'll be there with bells on. You know what I mean? But as far as I know, the estate is, is controlled by, by Phil's widow um, and um, Caroline and, and Scott Coram and Brian Downey, they have the the control of the of the of the assets, as it were. And I think anything that happens has to be decided between the three of them. Um, and before we talk about before we talk about Black Star Riders, uh, what what there is Thin Lizzy stuff that you still do? Can you is there is it that mostly outside of America? Like where does where does the Thin Lizzy world stand right now for you in terms of shows? It is. I mean, the last shows we did with Thin Lizzy was back in, in, in 2016. And we're doing four uh, European festivals this year um, to celebrate uh, the of the Black Rose album. We're going to be playing the Black Rose album in its entirety. Um, and we've got, a, you know, we've got a stellar lineup for that. We've got myself and, and Damon Johnson, Scott Gorham and Darren Wharton, obviously. We've got St- Scott Travis from Judas Priest 
uh, on drums, and we've got Troy Sanders from 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 Mastodon playing bass guitar. So um, it's a wonderful lineup. But we're just going to do four shows um, to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Black Rose, and and that will be it. And then uh, it's back into Black Star Writers. Yeah, and unfortunate too when you talk about celebrating Black uh, the Black Rose record. Gary Moore no longer with us either. But what a what a guitar fest that's going to be when you guys all get together and play that. Absolutely. And and uh, you mentioned the people that you have for that lineup. What I think is interesting, people may not know, is last time you played as Thin Lizzy, you had Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith playing bass, right? That's right. Yeah, which was incredible. I mean, a real. Uh a real fantastic experience for all of us. And I think for Tom too, uh, Tom had never played, uh, I think with any other act outside of Aerosmith. So it was a first for Tom. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you know Tom really well. He's such a lovely, lovely man. And uh, yeah. it was just great being on stage with such a legend. And again, you know, he brought so much to it and uh, he has a great demeanor and you know, heck of a bass player as well. So that was a wonderful experience. It's amazing, man. All the people that come out of, there's been a lot of people that have been in and out of Thin Lizzy since you've been doing this. And everyone that I talk to it all comes out just saying how much fun it is to play that music, whether it was Richard Fortas from Guns N' Roses, Vivian Campbell, yeah. who for Vivian, it inspired him to want to do Last in Line and really take over playing some lead guitar again. So it, mo- most of them all that I talk to all say, oh, it's the most fun I ever had is getting up there with Ricky and the gang and playing Thin Lizzy songs. I mean, what, what can be better yeah. than that? And uh, it, everybody is celebrate, well, you know, celebrating the music, but it also inspires them as musicians, it seems. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's great to hear, Eddie, and thank you for saying that. I mean, look, it's all, about, it's, it's all about the music and those songs. Of course it's not going to be the same without Phil. It, it, it just isn't, and nobody ever dreamed that, that, it, that it could be or that it would be. But those songs are so timeless, and means so much to so many people. And then the music never dies, you know. So isn't it great to be able to get out and, and play those songs with passion, with power and with soul and keep the music alive and keep the memory of Phil alive, keep the memory of, of Gary alive and, 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 just, and just keep Thin Lizzy, you know, in people's psyche and, and, and keep it there because it's such a fantastic, wonderful band. And, uh, I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. It's all about those songs. And one one last thing on Thin Lizzy before we move on, Ricky, that I'm curious about. Obviously, you grew up in Ireland. You've lived in America yeah. now in, in L.A. for a long time. And I've talked about this with you and so many others, including Scott Gorham, who's well aware of it, that here in the U.S., Thin Lizzy is regarded as one song, maybe two songs with Jailbreak, Boys Are Back in sure. Town. And sure. that's all you ever hear. That's all people really know in the masses here. But talk about the, the, the impact for you as a kid growing up in Ireland and how Thin Lizzy is viewed there, and and the the uh, you, you know the the stature of Thin Lizzy outside of America. I mean, it's it's, it's royalty in Ireland, Eddie. You know, ev- you know, everybody certainly of my generation grew up with Thin Lizzy, and we had a show back in the day on the BBC called Top of the Pops, which um, was on every Thursday night. And when you were a kid, that was that was a religious experience. You would you would watch Top of the Pops, you know, seven twenty five BBC One every Thursday night. And when Finn Lizzie were on it, here was this amazing band, you know, with Scott Coram hair down to his ass, you know, Brian Downey playing this amazing shuffle on the drums, and then this singer who just looked like he came from another planet. You know, when I was ten years old, I'd never seen anything like this in my life, and I was just mesmerized. And then suddenly goes, and by the way, they're Irish, and suddenly you go, Well, it's even better now, they're actually from from where I'm from. <laughs> you know, and, and as a kid growing up in, in Northern Ireland, we were so starved at that time of bands coming over to play because of the situation that was going on there. So when it was one of our own that would play quite regularly, like like Lizzie or Rory Gallagher, or even some of the punk bands like Stiff Little Fingers and the Undertones, it gave kids hope because they're like, these guys are out there touring the world, selling records, rock stars, and they're from here. So if they can do it, we can do it. We can get away from all this craziness that's going on around us and, and, and maybe try and get out there and, and see the world. So it gave us hope as a kid. And like I said, it was the soundtrack of my youth. I mean, I lived and I breathed those songs and I still do, you know, it was my, I have two older sisters and they, uh, they actually you know, brought home the, uh, the, the jailbreak album. And that's what really got me into Lizzie in the first place was hearing that record, you know? When you came to America and first started having experience here, did it floor you that the way Thin Lizzie is viewed here is just being the band that did the boys are back in town? Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't aware. I mean, I was, I've known Scott for a long time, and Scott told me a lot of the stories about 
some of the tours that they did in the States, going out with Queen and going out with Russian, and they were poised to really kick on and, and, and be, be massive here. And obviously Phil got sick, and then the story with Brian Robertson hurting his hand on the eve of a tour, and I think that kind of knocked the wind out of the sails. But yeah, it, it was it was surprising. Obviously, you know, the, the circles that, that we run in, is heavy rock fans, so they're well aware of the Lizzie catalogue, but right. you sort of, you know, people always, you know, people say, you know, what, what bands you? And they say, then Lizzie, and they go, oh, I never heard of them. And I say, well, you know the song, The Boys Are Back In Time? Oh, yeah, I know that song. You know, everybody's heard of that song, but look, better to have that than nothing at all. That's the way I look at it, you know? And is, is The Boys Are Back In Town, like, that is the the one hit that the band had in America that you still hear all the time, but, but yeah. for instance, in Ireland, is that is that considered Thin Lizzy's most popular song, or is there another song or two in the catalog that are actually known there as the iconic song? You know, I think it would be be up there, Vine with Whiskey in the Jar, um, which obviously Lizzie wrote when when Eric Bell was in was in the band, which is the, the first incarnation of Thin Lizzy. That's obviously a huge song uh, over in Ireland. Um, so I think those two maybe are neck and neck. You know, obviously Emerald's a very popular song as well. Black Rose. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, but obviously, obviously, like I said, the band, the band is royalty in Ireland. You know, they're just so revered. It's it's great, it really is. So, talk a little bit about where things are at now with Black Star Riders. Things are very, very, very great in the Black Star Riders camp. Thanks, Eddie. Um, we uh, obviously recorded this fourth album. It's our fourth one in seven years. So like you said, it's incredible because really, when we we did the first album way back in 2013, and coming out of this in Lizzie. Uh, and changing the name, we we had no idea how it was going to do it. We had no idea if people were going to be interested, if people would like the band, if the Thin Lizzy fans would, would. We just didn't know. We knew we'd made a great record, and that was it. But the fact that you know here we are now, you know, in the end of the fourth record, seven years in, shows you that the people have, have voted with their feet and they've come out and they've supported the band, and that's a, a, it's a testimony. And 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 I, I love the fact that the fans have just got behind the band so much. So we're so thankful that we're still making records. And this one, um, I think everybody says that when they make a new record, I want to be no different. I think it's our strongest yet. Um, obviously, we were very, very sad to see Damon go. You know, Damon's my bro, and I love him dearly. And he's a fantastic human being, a fantastic guitar player, and a great songwriter. But, um, you know, we knew it was happening, and we knew it was happening for a while, so we, we were well prepared for it. And to get Christian Martucci into the ranks, has been a real revelation. Um, Christian is a phenomenal guitar player, wonderful, wonderful person, uh, and him and I just clicked right from the off. I had a bunch of ideas um, towards the end of last year. Uh, I went up to Christian's place and we started working on the demos, and I just knew straight away that these songs were special and that they were really good. There was a great chemistry between us. So between everybody, you know, Robbie Crane came in with a couple of killer riffs. Scott Gorham always brings some amazing riffs to the table, of course. So between all of us, I knew we had a great record. And we had about 18, 19 songs um, at the start of this year. And we went into the studio with Jay Rustin producing the whole record this time. Jay had mixed the last two previous albums, but not produced. Uh, we worked with Nick Raskolnich. But this time Jay did the whole thing. And we recorded here in Los Angeles at Sphere Studios. And just an amazing experience. Just just everything went so 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 well and so smooth and i think we've made a great sounding record yeah i do too i've heard the record and it is it is killer and i love i love what uh i love jay's work as a producer and you know one of the things that jay was telling me is that maybe even more so than in previous records scott gorham and i don't know if this has to do with you know damon not being there and a new guy coming in but scott's contributions were really um above and beyond on this record would you agree with that Absolutely. I, I, this is the best I've seen Scott Gorham. I mean, Scott, oh, Scott Gorham, he's amazing. But this is personally for me, it's the best I've heard and seen Scott Gorham play guitar uh, in, in a long time. Certainly, it's the best I think he's played on the Black Star Riders record. Not that he's ever played badly. He's always been amazing. But he just seemed really comfortable. I think it had a lot to do with the way we recorded this record. Uh, usually before you go in the studio and you, you'll put down the 10, 11 drum tracks, then you'll put the bass tracks on. And, you know, the bass player would go home, then you know, you'd, you'd build it that way. This time around working with Jay, we did a track a day. So we'd complete the whole track in one day. So you do the drums, you put the bass guitars on, I put the vocals on. So everybody was around for the whole process. Nobody left early, nobody, everybody had to be there until the record was finished. And I think that gave us a real sense of unity. And Scott was very, very comfortable recording that way because he could really focus in 
on one song at a time and he was coming up with some insane ideas and, and wait till people hear some of the solos on this record and and him and christian just had an instant chemistry with the vibrato and the dual lead guitar thing they just seemed to really click and uh like I said, it was an amazing experience. It was great to sort of sit there and watch the two of them, you know, cranking out these amazing guitar solos on, on, on these on these songs. Christian Martucci, of course, is also in Stone Sour. The timing is good because Corey Taylor is about to go into Slipknot yep. mode for the next couple of years. So this is great that Christian has this. How did you decide on him to come in and fill some very large shoes? Because, like you said, Damon is a big part. Was a big part of this band, not only mm-hmm. playing but also writing a lot with you and bringing in material. Mm-hmm. So, so really filling that filling that spot was going to be something that was going to have to be a super important choice. How did you arrive at Christian Martucci? Was there an audition process? Was he somebody that just popped into your mind and the band said, that's the guy? How did that all work? Yeah, I mean, there was an audition process. We auditioned here in Los Angeles uh, for for a day, and everybody that came in and auditioned was were great. They were absolutely, they'd done homework and, and they played the songs exceptionally well. But when we were finished, we just didn't feel that, we, that we'd found the right, the right guy. It's just something wasn't quite right. And it was actually Jay Ruskin said, look, you know, Christian's off the road for the next few years because um, Corey's, as you said, is going back out with Slipknot. And he th- I said, I think he's the perfect guy. So I hit up Christian and he sent, he sent over a video of him playing along, I think, the Soldier's Town um, from the Killer Instinct album. And as soon as I saw it, I went, this is the guy. It was that good. And, uh, you know, sent it to the other guys in the band and everybody just, we all got on the phone. This is our guy. Look no further. I, mean, I, I, I think we even said to him, look, you don't even need to send any more stuff. You know, it, it's yours. And then just getting to know him and, and seeing what a chilled and, and laid back um, guy he is. Also, but obviously with a great work ethic um, as well. Uh, we knew it was just going to be the right fit. And uh, like I said, he's been a revelation. It's great having him in Black Star Riders. And he's brought a, he's brought a certain edge to the band uh, maybe that we didn't have before. No disrespect to anybody, but he's brought a little bit of a a little bit more of an edge, and I think it suits the band. And what's the plan? First of all, when is the record out? Uh, September 6th is the release date. Okay, um, so a little ways away uh, before the, the yeah. full record comes. And what's the, what's the plan as far as touring? I know that because of the connection to Thin Lizzy, this band historically has done much of its work outside of America. One of the reasons why Damon, who was on here with me recently, said that he left because he didn't want to tour internationally as much as Black Star Riders do. But what what are the tour plans? Uh, do you have anything lined up yet that you can talk about? We, we do. We have a, a huge European tour starting, UK European tour starting in October. And we start in the UK and then we head into... Uh, to mainland Europe uh, with Diamond Head opening up for us, which I'm really looking forward to. I think that's going to be a great bill. Um, and that'll sort of take us up to Christmas. And then uh, in 2020, we are obviously looking at doing some shows in, in the States. There definitely will be some shows in the States. And you're going to South America and Japan and, and, and hopefully Australia. And then we're into the festival season over in Europe in the summer. So the plan is, you know, just really to work the hell out of the record. Um, like I said, it's like September 6th, but there will be, a couple of tracks uh, pre-released before that, Eddie. You can obviously get another State of Grace now. You can download it. You can stream it. But we will be putting two more tracks out prior to the actual album release that people will be able to get hold of. And does Black Star Riders, and do you still plan on putting, a, when you play as Black Star Riders, a couple Thin Lizzy songs in the set? I know now with four studio records of original material, I'm sure mm-hmm. you want to play a lot of that. But where does Thin Lizzy fit into Black Star Riders if people come to see the band live? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you, you know, we have obviously cut it down, obviously, with the more records because we are Black Star Riders and, we're, and we are not Thin Lizzy, although we do obviously have the connection. Uh, the last time out, we were playing two Thin Lizzy songs. I'm sure maybe that we'll cut that down to one. But I think it's a testimony to Black Star Riders that, you know, the, the people coming to the shows aren't missing the fact that we're not doing Thin Lizzy songs. They're there to hear Black Star Riders. And I think after seven years and four records, people finally get it, go, this is a band that stands on its own. You know, we've had you know, phenomenal star success over in Europe. We get you know, national radio play over in the UK and in Germany. I think people now realize, okay, this is a band on its own merit, you know. Um, so I think we're at a point now where when we will go out, um, we do have a lot of material, obviously, to pick from. It'll probably maybe just be one Lizzie song or maybe, or maybe none at all. I, I don't know. Mm. 
And the last thing, Ricky, is that you, on top of all this stuff that you have going on, <laughs> I know you're working with a good friend of mine, Keith Nelson, and you're working on a new solo record, right? Yeah, that's done. We're finished. We're done and dusted. Uh, uh, yeah, we did a, We had a great time working with Keith, uh, Keith Nelson, and he produced and I co-wrote some of the songs with him on that as well. And we had a great experience, and uh, that's all done. Uh, so just sitting on that, obviously, not sure when that's going to be available. Uh, probably after the Black Star Riders touring cycle finishes. Uh, so it'll be a while, but it's nice to have it in the bag, and it, and it, it sounds great. And, and Keith, as you know, is a fantastic guitar player and a great producer, so it was a lot of fun working with him. So um, it's nice to have that done and dusted and just keep it in the back burner for now, you know? Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing that as well, and uh, that should be really cool. So you got your plate full, man. It looks like you got a, a busy schedule coming up, and I'm hoping that, you know, when I saw you guys play last, Scott mm-hmm. said to me that Lizzie, you would do some stuff under the Lizzie name in America that he was hoping to come right. back and do a few things here in the U.S. Is there anything uh-huh. more on that front? Um, I don't, You know, to be honest with you, I don't know. I mean, you know, I wouldn't. I would never rule anything out. And and like I said, it's that's up to Scott. Um, at, at some point, that would obviously be really, really nice to do. Um, but uh, I mean, who knows? You know, that's all I can really say on that for now, Eddie. Yeah, because it is cool what you guys have done with this by making this two separate bands, which I think is a very smart thing to do. You, 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 you actually, you know, now you could actually come through, play Black Star Riders. People know they're going to hear original material from four records, but then there is that incredible archive of, of music that you guys do so well with Scott, mm-hmm. within Lizzie, that people know, okay, if I'm going to come to a show and it's billed as that, then that night I'm going to get, you know, all the Lizzie songs. It's kind of cool that there are, it's the same, but essentially, but two two separate camps of material that just by knowing the name of the band that they're going in to see, they know what they're going to get. Yeah, it's, it's worked. It's worked extremely well for us, and it's a, it's a wonderful situation to be in because it really is the best of both worlds. And, and and to have that and to be where we're at with everything, uh, you know, we're very very lucky and very blessed that it's, it's developed and grown in such a way that's enabled us to, to do both things. Well, everybody look forward to getting the new album out on September 6th, Another State of Grace from Black Star Riders. We'll do maybe some more uh, when the record is actually out and available. But uh, it worked out great timing-wise, Ricky, because, like I said, we didn't plan it this way, but sad news with Philomena passing away. So I appreciate you giving us a few thoughts on that and all the other things you have going on. Anything you want to say about this? Yeah, it's you know it's it's. I think people will love the guitar work on this. It's very Lizzie-esque. Uh, it's a riff that I had kicking about for a while, and I gave it to Scott and, and to Christian, and they just took it to a whole new level. And uh, it's a real fist in the air Celtic rock, uh, feel good Irish anthem, and uh, I, I, hopefully the folks out there will dig it. All right, cool. Well, we're going to let people hear it right now. I appreciate a few minutes, Ricky, and I'll see you hopefully when I'm in LA again in a couple weeks. Sounds good, Eddie. Thank you so much for all your support, my friend. Really appreciate it. You got it, man. Thank you for all the uh, the killer music, and I'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks, Eddie. Bye-bye. Well, my thanks to Ricky Warwick. Great conversation there with him. Looking forward to the new Black Star Riders record. I've heard it. It is really, really good, like all of their records, and hopefully uh, it gains them some more ground here in America. And also thanks to Luke Spiller of the Struts, who was earlier in the podcast this week. Remember, all the interviews you heard originated on my SiriusXM show on 106 Volume. Hope you guys check that out if you're in the U.S. and Canada. I'm on live Talk and Rock Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, and replaying every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Just getting a little taste of what I do on a daily basis on the podcast uh, that I do every day on SiriusXM 106. Appreciate everybody listening. EddieTrunk.com, tons of appearances. They are all on the homepage of the site and... Be sure to follow on Twitter, where I am most active, at Eddie Trunk. And, of course, you got Instagram, at Eddie Trunk, and a fan page as well on Facebook. Again, simply at Eddie Trunk. I'll see you guys again next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. As always, it is produced by Katie Irizarry. Have a good week.
Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.